I want a squirrel. Get me one of those squirrels. I want one. Ruka, dear, you have many marvellous pets. All I've got at home is one pony and two dogs and four cats and six bunny rabbits and two parakeets and three canaries and a green parrot and a turtle and a silly old hamster. I want a squirrel! That's right. It's time for another episode of Vegan Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Today's show, we have in-studio guests, beloved Binge, and out-of-studio guest, David Wolf, in a pre-recorded interview that I conducted. Raw foodist extraordinaire. Scott. Interview conductor that you are. At the, uh, oh, I got you, Scott. I got you. Thank you. Oh, I'm in stereo. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. At the um, Rhode Island School of Design. Last weekend. Uh, yes. So we're going to have some rock cow uh, talk. And interestingly enough, a um, company, new company called veganhealthychocolate.com has sent us some chocolate samples, but we're not going to try them. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should try them on the air, really. With a little decaf coffee, a little soy milk. I don't know. I mean, last time we tried stuff and <laughs> sort of recorded it, it was, was a little bit of a fiasco. <laughs> Anyway, what we're ge- what we're going to be doing in, in now is uh, this the second part of the David Wolf interview is going to be available as a podcast only after this show comes out, and then um, we'll be doing some reviews of chocolate products. All right, along with that, will that include <laughs> for your pod- own chocolate products <laughs> for our podcast listeners who are so special to us? Let's um, get on with the show. On with the show. So, how you guys been? You want to ch- do a check-in? A <laughs> check-in. <laughs> I'm great, man. Uh, I'm not so great. <laughs> no? Done with the check-in. <laughs> I've been doing some of this hot yoga occasionally. Yeah? When I when I get up the nerve. And uh, it's been amazing. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You it's, feeling I think hot? We had that show Beyond the Vegan Diet, and I think this, oh, is, yeah. like, this is part of the beyond. Oh. And you, you were inspired by that show. I was very much so. Well, you know what? Inspired I've been running be on the bike path. So, so there wow. you have it. <laughs> so that you're the blur. <laughs> I've been seeing down what, there. What part of the the sh- uh, show inspired you, Scott? I think just uh, just the whole idea, really. Uh, just you know that okay, oh right, I, I've been vegan now for a while, but whatever. You know, I can I manage now. I can cook greens. Great. How can I make it better? Well, you know, what's the next? What's the next what am, level? What, what am I missing? You know. You're missing cacao, Scott. <laughs> you want to get to you want to get to level five vegan, and I think you're. I, I think, think you're you guys almost are there. Antioxidants. I <laughs> and uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm all for the. the well, Eastern cacao thing. takes care of the um, the free radicals. Uh huh. Kind of like the Republicans are trying to do. <laughs> Derek, you love to get on a kick. A kick, and then you're all about something, and then it's life is. A, it's like life is all about raw cacao I've, right I've now. Had an, I've had I've had about oh. <laughs> about t- ten glasses of raw cacao this morning. I've had raw cacao this morning. I have this little mix. It's just raw cacao nibs and um, goji berries and hunza raisins. That's really good. You kind of if you mix a cacao with some like dry fruit that's a little sweet it'll give you that nice effect because raw cacao by itself is kind of bitter it's pretty bitter i tried to put it in the smoothie and it ended up getting stuck in my teeth the cacao yeah well you might want to use powder instead of nibs unless you get a vitamix yeah i guess i should yeah 
And then uh, you're gonna need powder. Yeah. You're gonna need powder, kid. Powder. <laughs> <laughs> Can I use my coffee grinder to make powder out of it? I think you could. Yeah, cacao nibs are good sure. for eating, and then the powder is better for drinking. I'm finding more and more uses for the the venerable old coffee grinder now. Mm. Yeah, the Flax coffee seeds. grinder is like one of the one of the top uh, machines in your raw kitchen. <laughs> Surprising. <laughs> and now that Derek's on his raw food kick. <laughs> cacao. 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 So it's a good um, word. The interview is about 26 minutes long, and we want to leave some time to chat with the beloved binge guys who traveled all the way here from North Carolina. Who is beloved binge? They're um, Rob and Eleni. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. And uh, Eleni Binge and Rob Beloved. Yeah. And uh, they're rubble pop rooted in a punk pot. <laughs> <laughs> Who say are that, they quoting say, there? Say that three times quick. <laughs> I, I said it. They're rubble pop rooted in a punk pot. Ah, I get it. Rubble <laughs> pop. Rubble pop. It makes sense. All right. I saw them. Well, we went and saw them last time they were here. We went to the Brass Cat and they blew our minds. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not playing anywhere tonight unless we could get them to do, like, the open mic at Yellow Sofa or something, but... Yeah. That's my fault. Let's just have them do a little open mic here. Anyway, so what we want to do is... Um, play <laughs> Anywho, this. I'm bored of you now. <laughs> well, we got to play this interview or we're never going to make it. All right, so then. We're never going to make it. News later. And this is, this is some of my best editing work yet. So <laughs> you guys are just going to be blown away. You ready? I am so ready. Okay, then be quiet. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the chocolate room. Welcome to Vegan Radio's interview with David Wolf. David Avocado Wolf is considered by peers to be one of the world's leading authorities on nutrition. A renowned author and international speaker, David is committed to saving the environment and has implemented ecologically sound practices in his business, Sun Food Nutrition. David is also founder of the Fruit Tree Planning Foundation, whose goal is to plant 18 billion fruit trees on the planet in an effort to help reverse global warming and maintain biodiversity. A purveyor of superfoods, David works to spread vibrant health to thousands. His message is clear. Have the best day ever. Have the best day ever. David was brought to the Rhode Island School of Design by Nora Hammerman. Nora is an ecological steward, graphic designer, living foods chef, and fine artist. She is currently in her final semester at the Rhode Island School of Design. This is part one of a two-part interview that I conducted with David and Nora right before David gave his talk entitled Cracking the Chocolate Coke. Cracking the Chocolate Coke. You're listening to Vegan Radio, podcasting at www.veganradio.com. David, could you just tell us how it started for you with Raw Foods? Oh, it started a long time ago. I think when I was a little kid, really. And I got first oriented towards natural foods. I mean, the first two experiences I remember of actually being in an orchard were when I first went to California when I was seven years old. And uh, my uncle and I and my cousins, we put in an, um, a citrus orchard. And um, those are some of my earliest memories of actually eating raw food. And then I just always had a natural proclivity towards it since that time. 
And I really got into it when I was like 18 or 19 because I, I went to college and I couldn't cook anything. <laughs> so, so it was pretty much like all that was left. I mean, I would eat like all raw food except for like a burrito or something like that. You know, every day. That's kind of what I ate because there was nothing else to eat. And um, then I just I gradually got more and more into it. And then in 1994, I got all the way into it. I had a vision one night and that's how I really got into it. And that... Ever since that night, actually, that's that's how it all happened. And were you vegetarian first, or did you? I, I was a veg. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a, I've been a off of dairy products since I was about nineteen years old. So that's almost it's eighteen years, eighteen years. And then uh, then I, just kind of one thing for like red meat fell off a long time ago, and then. I, chicken was just so gross that I couldn't really eat that anymore. And so that kind of fell off. And then so it came down to like fish and I never ate fish. So I couldn't eat that. So it was kind of, I just became a kind of a vegan by default. Default, default vegan. We love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was just nothing else to eat. You know, the only, the only real stuff that I was really addicted to was like corn chips and, you know, stuff that's like really addictive, like that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, meat really isn't that addictive because it's so gross, you know, just kind of, ugh. What was your path to from just being practicing raw foods yourself to being the raw foods evangelist guru that you are now? It's a step by step thing. I was, th- I, you know, I've done so many events that I actually forget how many events that I've done. But some of the earliest events that I did were over on this part of the of the world, actually in in Boston area and Rhode Island, New York, back in like nineteen ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, that period of time. And we've had a lot of great events over here. So, um, you know, what really got me from here to there? I don't know. I mean, it's been a bl- it's been a blur and a barrage of, you know, literally 100 events a year for over a dozen years. You can imagine what that does. I mean, that's that's after a while, you know, you just get into like the mode of like, you know, 19 events, for example, in 21 days is, is uh, probably the most I've ever done. You know, so it transforms you go through like a metamorphosis process, kind of like a rock and roll band. <laughs> you know, once a rock and roll band's been on the road for like two or three years, they're not the same people anymore. You know. Right. And how about has practicing the raw food diet? You've probably been doing it longer than most people that are out there t- these days promoting it. Um, does it just keep getting better and better? Are there plateaus you reach? How does the how's the health aspect of it been for you over the years? Well, the health aspect is uh, is completely shocking. I mean, it's shocking. You know, the the state of health that people are in is so low, and people have no idea at all that that, that is actually a complete um, unnatural state of affairs, right? So you get into a state of health where you realize, oh, my God, like the whole world is ill. Everybody. You know, it's like every single person's eating food that's really we're not designed for it it causes all kinds of byproducts to be produced in their body that is very difficult to burn off um, it has all kinds of side effects so after every meal people are having side effects and so all that when, on raw food goes away you know you don't have side effects after you eat you don't have these byproducts that your body's generating that you know are that basically stick to your ribs which is you know that's what puts weight on people and um, you don't have this like I don't know, like this feeling of like just low energy. It's just a low energy state. And the the further you go into live food, the more you be, not only become aware of how much more energy you can have, but you also become aware of what's really going on inside your body. And you become aware of like 
it's it's kind of a shocking discovery of how toxic our world is. I mean, it's crazy. And and then how to protect yourself from that toxicity, too. So you, you learn all these things along the way. And it continues to evolve. I mean, you know, at this point, I pretty much can tell, you know, exactly where my body is. If I've had too much sweet stuff, I know pretty 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 much immediately. If I'd, if I'd had too much uh, nuts, I know that, too. You know, you just get quick signals like, stop, don't eat anymore. You, and it's not, it's not that you, you, it tells you, to like, not anymore, but you still do it. You can't actually do it. You come to a point where, you know, in the beginning, you'll eat more almond butter than you could, than your body can handle. It's going to happen. You know, you're going to do stuff like that. But then what ends up happening is, is that your body gives you such strong signals that you actually cannot violate it. Your whole appetite, boom, just shuts off. And it's like, even if you want to overeat the almond butter, you actually can't physically do it. And that's, a, that's an important promise for people to know because in the beginning, what you discover is raw food tastes so good that you can't stop eating it. <laughs> right? It's like you just pound through all this raw food. It's crazy. But then, you know, there comes a point where your stomach shrinks and you no longer you have to fill up that empty space, which is, you know, all that cooked food is it, it creates almost like a um, it's like a drug response where, you know, you, no matter how much raw food you eat, you cannot fill that empty space. Right. And then you just have to work your way through that. It's it's a tough part. But what's on the other side of that is that you get to a place where you do fill up that empty space. And by the way, most of that empty space is a lack of love from either mom or dad. Oh, really? What, what, you know, so then you find out how the emotions intertwine into your biology mm-hmm. and how your mental state intertwines into your biology. And you, it, it's not just esoteric. It's not in your head or just somewhere out there. It, you feel it viscerally in your body. And probably one of the most powerful things about raw food and live food is that all the yogic teachings, all the esoteric philosophies, metaphysical philosophies, stop being esoteric they they come right into your body alive in your body and you feel it instead of you're guessing about it or theoretically visualizing it or whatever it's like boom you feel what's going on inside you now um being raw for a long time do you what's your typical daily diet like do you eat raw food just like uh i think the term is mono where you eat a lot a lot of the same thing at once or do you still make recipes that combine a lot of ingredients well i'm what they call raw tarted (laughs) i can't make anything i mean what you get me behind a blender i can make you some damn good drinks but that's about as far as it goes um because i'm like you know most guys out there i'm not a chef i don't want to be a chef i like people to make stuff for me that's great but you know i i get to the like cutting board and i'm like cutting up broccoli and there's like avocado there and dulse or something. And I'm like, why am I even making a salad? Why don't I just eat it? So then I just eat eat it. You know, I just take the broccoli, rip a piece off, dip it in the avocado, wrap dulse around it and eat it. You know, that kind of thing. I don't really eat a mono diet like just celery or just apples or just oranges or, you know, just, I don't really do that. But then I don't really eat like super full-on like lasagna raw food <laughs> combinations three meals a day <laughs> although i like that stuff yeah you know i, I think that stuff's great i it, you i can't eat that three meals a day I, but i can eat it one meal a day so generally if i'm gonna eat that kind of food though like a raw food restaurant kind of food i'll kind of fast all day and then at the end of the day have a meal like that and then when i get to the raw food restaurant what ends up happening is i look at the menu and i go you know what i don't even want the lasagna or the raw pizza or whatever i just want the ice cream so then I just end up ordering the ice cream first. And then by the time I'm done with that, I just am probably going to get a, you know another pint of ice cream to go, and then I'm done with it. That's usually what happens. 
Well, that, that's good good news for a lot of people out there that you could just eat dessert for dinner and, and the raw food diet and you'll be fine. <laughs> so, somebody, somebody told me the other day that the thing they most appreciate about my book, Naked Chocolate, is that the word stressed backwards is desserts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I forgot about that, actually. Awesome. I forgot that was in there. Well, let's talk about chocolate a little. This uh, talk you're giving today is all about chocolate. What's the name of that, Nora? It's called Cracking the Chocolate Code. Cracking the Chocolate Code. Uh, could you give us a little preview of what the day talk is going to be about? Well, we're going to go into the history of chocolate. I'm going to talk about where chocolate comes from, what parts of the world it's growing in, um, where it's indigenous to, how it was traditionally revered, um, the sacred nature of chocolate, how it has to be grown in an intact rainforest environment, for example, how chocolate is synonymous with prosperity and money, actually, and how it's the number one thing we can eat and grow in order to save the planet for a number of reasons, which we'll get into both ecological reasons, economic reasons, and pretty much everything you can think of. Um, there's also the whole aspect about the pharmacology of chocolate, which is the most interesting pharmacology of any food in the world by far. It's the most chemically complex food in the world. Um, and and it's, it's most likely the most perfect food for us because it seems to be extraordinarily high in exactly those things we need in our current world, like magnesium, iron, chromium, vitamin C, and just goes on. It's like crazy. And the, when you look at the list of what's in chocolate, it's, a, it's, like a, it's like a punch list of exactly the types of nutrients and minerals that we need in, in today's stressed out world. And then we'll get into a little bit about chocolate alchemy. And so how to make chocolate at home. And then about where the chocolate industry is going. And it's going to be all, all that all wrapped up into one. And there will, will definitely not be a dull moment. I can guarantee that. Uh, everybody loves to talk about chocolate. So <laughs> we had a friend the other day, we were talking about cacao and she was trying to say that cocoa that you buy like in the supermarket is pretty much the same thing and that the raw food movement's just ripping people off. You know, they switched a couple letters and... <laughs> Wrong, sir. Wrong. Cocoa. <laughs> cocoa. So that's, that's probably the worst word ever. Could you? T <laughs> <laughs> that's a British word, the word cocoa, C-O-C-O-A. Um, yeah, the people who are in that consciousness they absolutely have no idea what they're talking about, actually. What cocoa or cocoa powder, for example, if that's what the person's talking about, is a massively processed product of a mega industry. And so talking about ripping people off, that's where the rip-off's happening. I mean, there's a massive industry. They're using hexane to extract all the fats and oils off of the chocolate, right? So they strip all that off and sell that to the cosmetic industry. Um, it's been heated at least three times over 220 degrees, usually over 240 degrees Fahrenheit for several hours. So all the oils are rancid. Um, all vitamin C is completely destroyed and probably all tryptophan and all, all their sensitive nutrients that are in chocolate are all destroyed. Usually cocoa powder is treated with alkalizers like um, potassium carbonate, which is contaminated with lead. So lead contamination is, has been almost exclusively attributed to potassium carbonate, which is an additive that's added by the chocolate industry into chocolate so that when you mix it with, with whatever you're mixing with, like milk or whatever, that it will actually dissolve. Oh, my God. Um, 
better. Now, you could just take straight, you know, cold processed cocoa powder, right, that's just raw, organic, and mix it with whatever you're making, and it mixes fine. So the whole potassium carbonate issue is just kind of like old news. You know, it's like, why are we doing that? And the reason why they do that is because they've rancidified the oils and the material so much that it actually is like it completely drops out of solution. It no longer has any solubility. And that's why you have to use potassium carbonate when you use the cooked form. Um, cacao itself, the actual cacao bean, has never been available raw in America. Never. When I first got into this, you could not find it anywhere, not on any website, not in any store, anywhere. In fact, you, you, the only place that actually had cacao beans that you could buy in a store was in Paris. Or you'd have to go down to Ecuador or Venezuela or you know, Central America, Costa Rica, even Costa Rica. Or Mexico, like Chiapas, you could get it down there. But the quality is, you know, it's like it's got mold on it. You know, all, all cacao had in the past, the way it's done is it's moldy on the outside because they, they, there's a fruit that's on the outside of the bean or the nut. It's actually botanically a nut. And that, if that fruit is not cleaned off properly, you get mold. And that's how cacao is kind of like processed in a dirty way. You know, it's not really a real high class kind of processing. And we completely changed all of that. We revolutionized that whole part of the industry. So, you know, until we came along, you couldn't get cacao beans raw. You couldn't get cacao powder raw. You couldn't get cacao butter raw. You couldn't get clean cacao beans because the way it was done in the past was all dirty. Um, and vinegary. So even the cacao beans, once you got peeled and eaten, it tastes like vinegar. You know, which nobody wants that. Um, it just goes on and on. So what the raw food movement has really done is completely revivified a dead industry, which is what chocolate was headed towards. I mean, if you look at chocolate, say, even five years ago, you ask the average person what they thought about chocolate, they tell you it's poison. They think it's totally, like, what, terrible for you. Now, look at, now, if you ask the average person now if chocolate's good for you, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's stuff that's in chocolate that's good for you. Chocolate, by the way, raw chocolate has somewhere around five to seven times more antioxidants than cooked chocolate because it's heat volatile. Some of those antioxidants are heat volatile. And uh, chocolate in general, cacao in its natural state, is the highest antioxidant food in the world. And we found that out. The raw food movement found that out, not some chocolate industry expert. You know, Cornell University was doing studies on cacao powder, or cocoa powder that had been treated with potassium, potassium carbonate. How did we, the live food movement figure this out? Because we started sending the raw cacao beans to the um, antioxidant laboratories, including the top antioxidant laboratory in the world, Hort Research, down in New Zealand, which I went and visited last year. And uh, they, you know, they have confirmed that cacao is not only the highest antioxidant food in the world, it's by far the highest antioxidant food in the world. It leaves green tea, red wine, grapes, um, blueberries, acai, okay. goji berry, all those in the dust. Really? Yeah, it's more than three times acai more than 15 times blueberries, more than 20 times green tea, 30 times red wine. That's not 20 points, that's 20 times more, 15 times more, right? So when you're dealing with antioxidants, everything else is kind of a joke. You know, it really is compared to cacao. And that's, those are also things that were brought to the live, by the live food movement into the field of chocolate. So again, what this, this is kind of like the rhetoric that you get, you know, from people who have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. You, know, you just have to deal with it. Great answer. <laughs> I mean, I, and I could keep going. I could go in depth. I mean, vitamin C, the discovery of vitamin C in cacao, you know, all processed chocolate has no vitamin C in it. When, when we first sent our cacao in to have it tested for whatever, all the different nutrients and everything, came back with an extraordinarily high vitamin C level, and I thought it was a mistake. Same with the antioxidants. I thought that was a mistake because it was so out of the box. I was like, this, 
I don't understand what this result is. So I had to call the laboratory back and I said, I, you know, I don't understand what this, I don't get what this means. And um, they said, well, you know, this is, this is the score that you have. And I said, well, you know, what does it mean exactly? And they said, well, let me, we're going to send you a chart of other things just so you could see where cacao ranks in terms of antioxidants, just so you, you know, that you have a table or a graph. And so they did that. And then that's when I first realized, like, whoa, this is big. This is a big discovery here. And then same, they did the same with vitamin C. I mean, vitamin C in cacao is as high as any vegetable, as high as any fruit, which is crazy for because it's a nut. <laughs> no other nuts have vitamin C in them at all, even any vitamin C. Well, girl, don't touch that squirrel's nuts. And, and it goes on like that. You know, there's the whole discovery of like, you know, cacao contains phenethylamines. It contains tryptophan and serotonin. So it contains neurotransmitters. What else contains neurotransmitters? Not a whole lot. Now, mushrooms contain neurotransmitters, <laughs> you know, and the different kinds of mushrooms, both medicinal and magic mushrooms, contain neurotransmitters. And that's why if you eat magic mushrooms, you, you get the thoughts of the mushroom because it's the same kind of neurotransmitters we have. Um, but the same is true with cacao. You eat cacao and it puts you into the consciousness of that plant because it has the same neurotransmitters we have. Excellent. So what about the coffee bean? Is that is that going to be the next thing to hit the raw movement, or is is there no hope for that? Um, it, uh, that's a good question. Coffee, I'm a raw coffee eater. I mean, the fruit, the coffee cherry is a good fruit, a really good fruit, surprisingly good. Like you'd want to eat it. You know, if it was here and we had a bowl of them, you'd you'd go, yeah, this is this is pretty good. Um, coffee, the coffee bean is the is actually a seed. It's the seed of the fruit. And uh, if you eat the fruit and the seed together, you do get something going on. And it's not like, you know, the jittery, you know, flip off the guy in front of you, road rage <laughs> kind of, you know, caffeine energy. But there's like a definite energy. The way I look at it is like this, you know, from eating coffee, fruits and beans raw, the energy of it is like it's the energy of very industrious farming. It's that's like you, all you want to do is just like farm all day. <laughs> when you remo when you take the seed out and cook it and then consume a beverage made with that cooked seed the ener the industriousness is still there but the the uh, the connection to relating to the natural environment is lost so therefore it becomes the f the key food of the industrialized nations because with coffee you know the the wheels keep turning but by the way without coffee the wheels stop turning Right, civilization would literally collapse if coffee stopped, because it, the industriousness that's within it keeps New York City alive. You know, if, if that wasn't there, there'd be no stimulants enough to keep you know people showing up to work in the morning. Probably keeps a lot of RISD students going in the and end, yeah, of this, end of the end of the season. Too. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where is my son? Where does that pipe go to? That pipe. It just so happens to lead directly to the room where I make the most delicious kind of strawberry-flavored chocolate-coated fudge. Then he will be made into strawberry-flavored chocolate-coated fudge. They'll be selling him by the pound all over the world. No, I wouldn't allow it. The taste would be terrible. Can you imagine Augustus-flavored chocolate-coated gloop? Ew. No one would buy it. In light of uh, global warming and climate change, um, how can you sort of justify um, shipping cacao thousands of miles to, say, someone who lives in Alaska and all the jet fuel that, you know, goes into that? Um, so what are sort of the global 
ramifications of as a purveyor of superfoods yourself. Um. <laughs> okay, well, it's it starts out with most of the cacao in the world that is of reasonable quality. I mean, most of the cacao in the world is grown in Ghana and Africa, but cacao isn't right. from Ghana. Right. Um, they brought it there because it saved the Europeans from having to ship it across from the Americas over to Europe. So they would grow them down in West Africa and then just ship it up. Uh-huh. Back in those days, you know, say 200 years ago or earlier, all cacao that was shipped around the world was shipped via free energy. Right. So wind power. Right. And it could be done that way easily. I mean, the amount of actual food that is shipped around the world, okay, just food only, is uh-huh. insignificant in terms of the total shipping going on around the whole planet. Huh. The biggest commodities that are being shipped are like automobiles in terms of weight and all right. that and mass, automobiles, petroleum, processed goods, furniture, that kind of stuff. So right. in general, food is an insignificant transportable thing that's being moved around the planet okay. in terms of its global impact. Right. But even then, it could all be done with wind power, free energy, so it, could have no, it would have no impact. Not only that, it's easy to do because you could just sail a ship from, say, Ecuador right up the coast, all the way up the coast of Mexico, up the coast of the Americas, all the way to Alaska with very little danger right. because you're so close to the, to the land masses of the world. Cool. The northern uh, hemisphere. Yeah. Um, same could be said, you know, for shipping from Africa into Europe. So I, it's an insignificant question, but it does do one thing that's really interesting, and that is it brings cacao, the availability of cacao, to um, countries that normally wouldn't know about it. And once you have, let's say, you know, a cacao fruit, and let's say you live in California, you can grow cacao fruit in California in greenhouse. And you could grow it right here in a greenhouse. So you can grow cacao in greenhouses all the way you know, up as far as Alaska because it'll grow in a greenhouse. It's one of the few fruit trees that will grow and fruit in a greenhouse. Hmm. Um, bananas being another one that's probably you know, the next best thing in that way. Because wow. cacao likes a very still, quiet environment. The more wind there is, um, the less protection there is around the tree, the less it likes it. And there's a lot of people now growing cacao trees all across the south of the United States that wouldn't have before. If they had not, if no one had come out and said, you know, cacao is the thing to grow, right? never would have done it. Right. Yeah. Um, I recently saw Michael Pollan speak at Brown and, you know, he's a big proponent of going local. And so I know that um, you support that as well and growing your own food. So is it possible for everyone to grow their own cacao? It, well, if everybody can have a greenhouse, you can grow it indoors as a house plant, okay. which I've done before too. That's a great house plant. So if you grow aloe vera indoors, for example, and you live in a northern climate, aloe vera won't grow out in your front yard in New England, but cacao will grow indoors with aloe vera right there by the front window. Nice. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And and it's neat having a cacao tree in the house. Yeah. Um, that's another thing, by the way, that the live food movement pioneered completely and totally. Before cacao came into the live food movement, there was no such thing as growing cacao in your house or buying cacao trees off eBay, which you can do now. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know? So you can buy cacao trees off eBay. Boom, we're right in your house. It's 30 bucks. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's just less let rain some stay dry and others feel the pain chocolate rain a baby born will die before the sin chocolate rain and that concludes part one of our interview with david wolf 
You can find the second part of the interview as a podcast only at veganradio.com or through other places where podcasts are found, such as the iTunes Music Store. You're listening to Vegan Radio at WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM, also available on the Pacifica Radio Network. And remember, some may say cocoa, but you should always say Here's what they say, chocolate rain With your neighborhood insurance rates Chocolate rain Makes us happy living in a gay chocolate rain We are the music makers And we are the dreamers of dreams Yes, that's right, you're listening to Vegan Radio <laughs> WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM that's right, people. You're not just products. You're dreamers of dreams. <laughs> Music makers. And we're here in the studio now with Beloved Binge. A couple Hello. of dreamers and music makers going? themselves. We're dreaming right now. The dreaming of vegan cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. Those <laughs> Me are right too. around the corner. <laughs> I'm always dreaming of vegan cupcakes. <laughs> Hell yeah. You guys are like the best vegan band ever. Are <laughs> <laughs> well, we the you. only vegan band? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there are some others. It's like we my might, grandma. And we might be the only vegan duo band. Yeah, we're vegan the only duo. Vegan duo. Maybe. Yeah. The yeah. only rumble. Rumble band. pop. Rumble pop. Rumble band. pop. <laughs> <laughs> rumble pop. I totally rooted just in made pump that pop. up. That's right. That's right. I made that up. Well, it fits the bill. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely you does. Can say it works. I like it. You got to have something. That's right. You guys are hard to describe your music, you know. People, yeah, people say that. You're not supposed to say that as a band because I guess a lot of bands say that. They're always right. like, oh, we're so hard to describe. Yeah. <laughs> we're so unique, it's like, so it's mysterious. the worst question yeah. anyone can ask anybody. So, uh, what do you sound like? And, you know, we're unique. Yeah, you're supposed yeah. to come up with something. So we're original. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, we're not too original. But I guess we are kind of weird. We're pretty original. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you do your thing. We it's did good. our thing. We do our thing. We got a, yeah, we have a new thing out. Blender Theory, that's Blender new. Theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is this your third album? Third CD? Yeah. Yep, third album. It was uh, recorded by Jerry Key at Duck Key Studios up in Mebane. He's Yeah, he records out of his house. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Analog style. The, yeah, he recorded a lot of the early Merge record stuff. Cool. Yeah. And uh, the the best thing about this album so far... <laughs> 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 the peanut butter balls, right? <laughs> yeah, we have some um, <clears throat> a peanut butter ball recipe right in here. That's right. Last time I did seitan, and so I was thinking I was going to do cupcakes, but then I decided to go with the peanut butter balls. Peanut butter balls are really non-intimidating for people who don't do a lot of baking or cooking. Yeah. So it's something that everybody can do it's very so simply. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. And you just eat them all. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not going to be fitting into Derek's raw cacao diet. <laughs> you can make them with coconut oil. Oh, um, that'd be good. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll if be they, make I'll be making them tonight with 100 percent raw had, coconut. If they, had a little, <laughs> if they had a little salt in them, they'd be like chocolate salty peanut butter balls. Oh, <laughs> mama, here we go. Speaking of which, so you said this uh, first song on your CD is called got married on myspace yeah that song a friend of mine um and her boyfriend i think god uh, they both changed their profile to married on myspace so i thought that'd be a great title <laughs> <laughs> like they're Aww. married now they were they didn't really get yeah too. anyone could get married it's yeah. open it's free it's a great site yeah. to keep up it's with good. people's dating statuses and it totally i'm like oh that changed. Oh, that's <laughs> they serious. changed their profile yeah. it's serious. <laughs> they're married <laughs> <laughs> well let's play a little sample of that to get started and then uh, then we can talk some more Thank you. 
Control over the board. It's a little inappropriate. These are backups. <laughs> Do counterpoint. You guys only have two people in your band. We're only a duo. That's right. And uh, how's that go? It's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah. Well, now we're we are driving around in my little Tercel car um, instead of the van, which is good because yeah. it's better on gas. It's like thirty dollars to fill the tank instead of eighty. Oh uh, god! Yeah, and you have like your entire like gear and everything in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, we have keyboards in there and like drum set, amps, and all tents. That. Man, camping we've been gear. camping and all that. Yeah, Not bad. Not so bad. Um, yeah, no, it's pretty. It's pretty nice. We were actually going to do like a more eco-friendly tour. We were planning to do kind of a greyhound thing, um, but that turned out to be really hard and more money than driving actually. So we didn't do it, but. But in well, theory, next that'd be cool. you, you can uh, charter the vegan bus. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. There's a vegan bus or something, yeah, right? Yeah, we, we can take you around on veggie oil. And <laughs> that would be so cool. That would be great. Cool. Yeah, because yeah, we wanted to get... It. We're going to be traveling for a year with the documentary and the band um, next year, starting September. So we're going to go nationwide. Um, so we're thinking of getting some sort mm. of van again with diesel, but I'm not sure how to go about you know doing the conversion and stuff, but something right. like that would be awesome because yeah. we need to camp and just drive and... You well, know, if you need help uh, with the conversion, we can. You can talk to us about that off the air. Help. We can point you in the right direction. Oh, yep. cool! That'd be that would be awesome. Um, well, let's talk about your documentary that you've been bringing around with you on tour. So you're you're more than just 
uh, band on tour. You, you also are filmmakers with a documentary. Yeah, it's a, it's been an interesting sort of um, you know switch to go between being a person who's kind of showing a documentary and then a band person, and I'm much more comfortable in the role of, as a drummer. Because if you say something stupid, you could just start playing a song. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's true. But when you're with this, you know, when you're screening these documentaries, you're up there in front of everybody, and you just—that's all you got. Just, Doing the Q and A. So you gotta, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no, there's not been too many hard cues. I was worried about that, but um, but yeah, it's been it's been really good. Um, the, the name of the documentary is called "Seeing Through the Fence." Thanks. Seeing through the fence, yes. I have yeah. put that out there. Yes, yeah. so I've just been <laughs> watching it in fast mo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right off his laptop. Like, and we can find it on the <laughs> belovedbinge.com website. Um, actually, I have a new. We have a business now, so it's called um, Porch Life Productions. Um, just like sitting on your porch, uh, Porch Life, and uh, it's kind of nice where we are. Where everybody sits on their porch. People are actually socially wave to each other. It's um, the, the southern lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just moved there from Seattle, right? Yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. we love it out there. So we made a website named after that, and so we have a trailer and information yeah. about the documentary. And if anybody is in any town at all in the U.S. and you have connections as far as screening goes, just let us know because we're booking music, it right now. Too, because we're doing both. Yeah, we're doing both. We're going to be touring with the band. Have too. you ever done a thing where you like play the movie and then play music afterwards? We only did that once. I, I kind of was tr- shying away from that just because the movie's kind of not heavy, but it's definitely you know heavier than the band kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, but it actually worked out pretty well. We did that in Maryland and we played at the and, Pirate House. Yeah, there was a vegan potluck. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, but it was yeah. It was I think preferably we just kind pirate of separate. Vegans. Yeah, the pirate vegans. <laughs> yeah. They're the good kind. I wonder if they're like grace pirates. <laughs> yeah, we're the Let's grease so. pirates. You guys are the grease pirates. I don't know. So what I think is important, what you were saying about your documentary, is that it seems like you're getting good feedback from meat eaters and that they're not getting turned off. And that's, I think it's really hard to kind of show what's going on, show the truth, and and have people accept it and maybe actually yeah. change. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what um, I was worried about initially before I had screened it. Um, at the premiere, I screened it, and there were a lot of people who weren't vegetarian or vegan or anything. Um, and I just got so much good feedback there. That's when I decided to tour nationwide because so many people had written me and just said, you know, hey, this really made a difference in how I'm thinking about my diet. And, um, you know, it really hit them in the stomach, literally, when they went down to go eat something that we typically right. eat. They couldn't. Um, so obviously not everybody's going to be impacted by it. But I think um, it's set, it's made in such a way that it's hopefully going to appeal to people. Um, it doesn't have any killing in it. It does have some footage, but it's not over the, you know, it's not like hitting mm-hmm. you over the head with it. Um and so it's more of an exploration in the words of people who do eat meat, you know, basically saying, here's why I eat meat, um, and letting them talk and actually listening to them, and then also presenting alternatives uh, to that uh, choice. And so a lot of people just haven't thought about it. And so it's kind of an interesting thing for non-vegans more than it is probably for vegans to see it. Um, a yeah. lot of it's kind of obvious, maybe. To it me. has some humor in it, too, which is good. So it says here you also went to uh, and talked to people in Greece. Yeah, I talked to my dad and my Aunt Katie and some cousins in Greece and um, basically showing that it's kind of a universal response that we get to why people eat meat or what their sort of barriers are to stopping that the practice. And it's it's pretty universal. Um, and so I was hoping to show that in addition to sort of making it more personal with a family perspective. Yeah, it's good. We just recently had a story about uh, people in Greece. They're like abandoning the Mediterranean diet to eat more meat and eat more <laughs> of kind of like the same kinds of things we in the West do. And 
Oh, man. So, yeah. So dropping like flies. It's a yeah. good time to talk to people in Greece, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, I actually had a, a Greek contact me, um, call me on my phone randomly, um, and she's like, her father was born two village, one donkey right away, you know, from my dad's village, <laughs> basically. And um, she's, yeah, she started the Greek Vegan Society, in which, yeah, yeah and I had never known, mm. you know, a couple years ago I checked into that and there wasn't anything. So she's going with that and she was interested in showing this to some Greek people over there. So. Awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. Excellent. 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 <laughs> I'm enjoying it right now. Yeah, he's watching. This, this looks like one of your relatives here. Yeah, that's, yeah. Aunt, that's Aunt Katie. <laughs> Subtitles. She's the one with the shirt on. My dad's the one without the shirt. Oh, yes. Yeah, see? Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's play another track off your album for our listeners. Awesome. And um, do you have anything on here that you think we should play? I think people usually like vacuum, pumpkin and a tie also, but pumpkin and tie also has like some themes. Yeah, like, or miso or... Or I don't like people. People like that one. All right, narrow yeah. it down, narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pick a number, any number. Okay. Pumpkin vacuum. and a tie or vacuum? Pumpkin and a tie, Either number three. three. Yeah. Okay, here we go. This is Pumpkin and a Tie from Beloved Binge. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was Beloved Binge with Pumpkin in a Tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does one become a pumpkin in a tie? <laughs> Just working in the insurance business. Eating <laughs> lots of meat. Eating lots of meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's about that... somebody in particular. <laughs> <laughs> Let oh, that no. be a lesson to my listeners out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Watch out. So what is the uh, name of your album? What's it called? Blender Theory. Yeah, What's that all about? That's sort of like a theory. Um, thanks for asking about that. Um, it's sort of a theory that I sort of had about the soul or lack thereof. Um, if you're plugging in a blender, um, which you could do on a raw food diet. Um, you, oh, yes. Yeah, you use the blenders. Um, at one point, the blender stops working, but it's still plugged in kind of, and some physical mechanism breaks down. But what happens to electricity, it's still there. It's not like the little blender electricity goes away on its own. It's still plugged into the wall, which is the electricity. So that's kind of like the theory of the soul, I guess, where you just sort of join whatever electricity. You're not like a separate thing. You're all one electricity. So that's kind of my blender theory. <laughs> and she's like sticking it. with it. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you're not moving, you're not really alive. Uh, that's right. And on yeah. the cover, there's a doll in a blender. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's my little Greek doll. I hope nobody, About my relatives, aren't offended. I, I bet your family thinks you're really weird. Yeah, huh? <laughs> 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 yeah. she's different. She's I, just yeah. different. I like I like on the uh, the cover of the scene through the fence DVD. Um, on the back, there's a picture of Dad, and it says right. And it only the weirdos become vegetarians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's and it's funny because he's he's like now he's trying to backpedal. He's like, I like vegetarians. No, nothing against vegetarians. <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna. Go, I didn't know you were gonna go on the road with this thing. I think, <laughs> I think that is a compliment, really. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Who would, weirdos are good, but yeah, he's um he's uh he's uh trying to get into the DVD extras, which I told him I'd do. You know, I'll say right. I'll clarify your position in the extras next time. Oh, okay. But, the yeah. bonus feature. Yeah, the bonus right. feature, right? De- interview with Dad. If there's not a lawsuit. Because <laughs> I also asked him if I could put his picture on the back. He's like, no, no. please don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Because he doesn't have his shirt on, so he's like, oh, yeah. I look like I have cancer. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were trying to get the redneck look on him. Mm. No. <laughs> well, it gets really hot and greasy, you know? Nick gets red. Yeah. So what is your fa- your family, a lot of your family, I'm sure, has seen it at this point, and what do they think about it? Well, um, my mom saw it and she's, you know, she's sort of, she hasn't changed. I don't think she's changed anything based on it. No. She's my mom. Um, my dad, you know, he's watched it a few times. Um, he says he eats less meat. My brother watched it actually. And, um, that was what I was, he was the one I originally kind of wrote it based on an email he wrote saying that why he liked meat and, um, and how he would, could never be vegan or anything. And so he watched it and he actually said he did cry during some parts, which was good because he's not necessarily always you know, sensitive in, in that way. Feelings. Yeah, his, his <laughs> feeling side. Um, and so then he uh, he said also it made him think about actually reducing meat. He never thought that it, it was not an all or nothing proposition. He can actually, you know, just slowly substitute things in his diet um, rather than becoming vegan overnight. And so that kind of freed him up to, you know, he went and asked me what, what should I get for ground beef? And I told him about the Eve's ground round. And so he put that in his tacos and he's been using that. And so, um, so mm. I think it kind of made him realize he can... He was the inspiration for the documentary, right? Yeah, yeah, that was part part of the inspiration. Yeah, I mean that's huge. Somebody telling you, "Oh, I could never be vegan," then watching this film or this documentary, and then 
you know, having that feeling, oh, okay, I can start to make a change, even if it's just right. one change. Right. And that makes a difference. Like it doesn't, I mean, as far as animal suffering, just, you know, if people do, a lot of people do actually reduce their consumption and depend on it less. I think that's going to make a big difference in terms of the numbers mm-hmm. long term. Um, and I think naturally people kind of, once they start making those changes, it's easier for them to just kind of eliminate those products altogether, yeah. right? Because yeah. they're starting out new things and trying new recipes, realizing there's good food out there that you can eat that's vegan. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of important. There is? There is. Yeah. <laughs> good it's food. everywhere. That's unfortunate for food. our yeah. waistlines, but it is. But yeah. We're, yeah, vegans are pretty good usually. There's, I think you know, I, I haven't met one vegan who's not like crazy about food. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, the kinds of things you discover uh, when you give up the three, you know, pork, chicken, beef, you know, you can put those away and you can get into other things and there's just amazing stuff. Yeah. Oh, people, yeah. I mean, I'm sure people say this to you all the time. Well, what do you eat? And what I always tell people is like, I eat so much more than I ever used to eat before I became vegetarian and vegan. Cause I didn't even, I didn't eat like Thai food and yeah. Vietnamese food, food and Ethiopian yeah. food. And it's like, it's like your whole world totally yeah. opens up and there's so many different varieties of things to eat. Oh, yeah. That's why I liked um, Moby's answer, which is similar to what you're saying, where I think he said something like, you know, when people say, what do you eat? He says, oh, yeah, Thai food, Indian food, you know, whatever, you know, every type of food you can imagine. So you just name off all these, you know, Mexican food, whatever. Right. People don't realize that, oh, yeah, it's just, it's all food. You know, right. I mean, it's the same thing. And you can't leave out the sweets, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of sweets. Lots of vegan oh, yeah. cakes. Yeah. yeah. There's oh, vegan yeah. chocolate, vegan if it's sweetened yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh you can eat it raw Mm. actually david wolf brought in some um, cacao beans that his company sells and they were amazing but i had some other ones and they were not so amazing yes i I think (laughs) it has a lot to do with how they're harvested um, yeah 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 but i did have some Derek got me some almost completely raw chocolate bar the only thing that was in there was some maple maple sugar but everything else like all the chocolate was all raw and you couldn't really taste the I difference i thought it tasted wow. better than it was amazing yeah. it was amazing Where now it was it was ten like dollars oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but it yeah, was still could... amazing it but was it, wow. the, the, the flavor is kind of like slowly unfold in your mouth instead of like you get it all at once uh-huh. and it's really vegan, sugary. vegan foodies on vegan radio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. it was it was it was it can you Total. buy that at the store, or is it like over um, the I think internet? It was, oh, okay. Yeah, I think Good it was through his uh, company, but yeah, that'd be an online order. I think it, it's it's kind of like veganism. I think in like ten years, there's going to be raw everything everywhere. But right now, it's kind of the the new thing. The new so. right, yeah. yeah. It's amazing to me. Just we were just in um, Tallinn where his sister, Rob's sister lives. And, you know, he was able to get like salt creamer and all the different products we usually get at the regular supermarket. So it's really is a lot easier, even in sort of rural places yeah. Than, yeah. than it was at one time. So, yeah, it's great. And you can always grow vegetables. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, kale is actually really good. Um, we were in a drought in North Carolina. We never watered our kale. And it came back. It's like it's still been it's there. Been the almost year. a full yeah, one over of the hardiest year. things yeah. to grow. Wow. And it's so good in like instead of spanakopita, you make kale copita, like the spinach <laughs> pie. It's yeah. so good. It's delicious. Yeah. And it's better the calcium. Kale like yeah, it's way better. I kind of like that because spinach so, kind of disappears mm. as soon as you cook it. Yeah. 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 It stays there. Yeah. The yeah. kale. Yeah. It's very nice of it. Recommended. <laughs> very nice. But well, if you do can... plant watermelons, make sure you water those. Oh, they didn't work out during the drought. The watermelon. It's such a great idea. Somehow they need. They're mostly made of water. Yeah. You cut it open, there's nothing but dust inside. 
Excuse you. <laughs> it's a cacao being <laughs> stuck in his throat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good we're thinking about all this now. Oh, my God. She's being censored. The further you move her from the microphone, the louder she gets. Help me, listeners. Help yeah. me. I saw that. Well, I understand there's like food riots around the world right now. Something like 33 countries, according to this thing on my screen I'm not looking at. Uh, so, you know, wow. like right now, there's, it's a major agricultural uh, crisis. Wow. That's true. It's so true. Our little, uh, you know, our little world right now where we, we paid like reasonable prices at the market and stuff, for, it could be coming to an end before long. It already is coming to an end. My f- a bag of, 50 pound bag of flour today is like almost twice as much as it was a year ago. Yeah, wow. that's what I heard. So that's well, speaking of crises, is- <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of our show, kids. <laughs> Panic is struck. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank maybe, you for having us on. Maybe we'll have some bonus yeah. uh, beloved binge on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as far as this show is concerned, we got to get off the air and let the next show come on. You've been listening to Vegan Radio on WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM. And we're also on the Pacifica Radio Network, podcasting at veganradio.com. Check out Beloved Binge at BelovedBinge.com and Porch Productions. What? PorchLifeProductions.com. PorchLifeProductions.com. You can check out the documentary. And we'll leave you with a little vacuum from Beloved Binge. Thanks a lot for coming on, guys. Thank Thank you. Ba 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 